0: This episode is brought to you by No Meat Athlete's Compliment Protein. Compliment Protein is made with just five real food ingredients, no additives, fillers, or sweeteners. It was designed to be strong enough to fuel our training and clean enough for our kids. That is the truth. It's the only thing that I would offer my kids in like a baked good. You can learn more at lovecompliment.com and use code NOMEAT for $10 off your first
1: order. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio was also brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef's vegan and vegetarian recipes are high in plant proteins and rich in omega-3s. Go to greenchef.com slash 90nomeat and use code 90nomeat to get $90 off, including free shipping.
2: Hi, this is Hope.
1: This is Kareem.
2: Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're
3: listening to Meat Athlete Radio.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Nomad Athlete Radio. We have another great interview for you today, this time with, uh, co- well, covering a topic that is near dear to, to, to my heart these days, <laughs> one of the things that I'm probably thinking about more than just about anything else other than work, and that's kids. So Matt Tolman is going to be doing the interview with Plant Based Juniors, and Matt, welcome to uh,
0: Welcome to the episode. Thank you so much. Yeah. What you welcomed a new one four months ago, right?
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah. For just, yeah, that's exactly right. Actually a little over four months ago. Um, and she is, uh, in the middle of a sleep regression. So we are kind of
0: deep in it at the moment after doing pretty well for, for the last several weeks. Oh man. Yeah. Those are, uh, so you really are thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kids are, are, are all encompassing and, and that's why I was so excited to dig in to things with the industrious and incredibly engaging team from plant-based juniors, both of whom are registered dietitians and moms, which give them that extra credential because this is not just academic to them. They're living and breathing it. Uh, and actually one of them just Added a, uh, a new one to, to her little clan. So uh, big congrats! Uh, this was recorded prior to um, uh, that. Uh, 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 I'm totally blanking on the name. Uh, maternity leave. Uh, that that momentous event. I don't know what I was going for, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we get into all sorts of these topics. So maybe maybe you'll even learn something that you can apply with with your new, new little one. I don't know if you're if you're sharing names on uh, publicly.
1: Uh, yeah, Chloe, I think I've announced that probably. Um, yeah, no, it's, that's always been a weird, uh, a weird thing that I think Matt and I have juggled over the years, you know, kind of struggled with how much we really want to share about our kids and how much we don't. But, you know,
0: at this point, everybody can probably figure it out. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's another philosophical, debate, we get into more of the pragmatic, the practical challenges and, and look, being a plant-based parent uh, is stressful, right? Because we're going sure. outside of the norm and uh, taking our, our lives and also our kids' lives into our own hands, right? And, and not just going with the flow. And I always found it. Who, who did I learn this from? I don't know uh, who it was, but they, they put it so perfectly where like, You can feed your kids, you know, Big Macs and Coke all day, every day. And we all know that it's horrible for them. And no one will ever tell you that you're a bad parent, right? Like, there's (laughs) you know, um, it's like, oh, well, you have no time. And, and, you know, uh, good food is expensive. And, like, it's okay. That's life, right? Uh, But yet, if you go the other direction and feed your kids fruits and vegetables, right? Like, all of a sudden, you are you know, extreme. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that is just the craziest thing, but it's a feeling that I totally resonate with because obviously I would so much rather make a a poor decision and hurt myself than my kids. Right. And so it's just a heightened level of, of stress that we all have to deal with making sure that we're, we're making those right decisions.
1: Yeah. And it's not just externally. I think it's, it's internal as well, just because we've all been um, we've grown up believing that you need certain things, you know, the milk does your body good and, and you know, all these different things that we've, we've been taught our entire life. And, you know, even if we know now that that's not necessarily true or that there are all these alternatives that are just as good or even better, um, just having that in the back of your mind is nerve wracking. I mean, I, I can't, you know, every day, every day I wake up and as I'm feeding my, you know, my, my older daughter, Eliza, um, you know, I think, okay, is she, is this well-rounded enough? Is she getting all the nutrients? Is she this, that, and the other thing? And, and, and it's, it's worrisome. And, and I, and I imagine that that's probably the case for parents, no matter what diet you're feeding them, but it's, it's certainly heightened for people who are feeding them a, a plant-based diet. So even when the doctor says you're all good and, you know, and thankfully when I'm surrounded by other plant-based parents like you, um, it's still, it's still a challenge for sure. And, the, you know, the team of our plant-based juniors has, you know, made it their life's work to, you know, to help coach parents like us and, and help, uh, feed kids. So I'm, I'm excited to bring them onto the podcast and,
0: um, and excited to listen to it cause I haven't listened to it yet. So I'm glad you did it. Yeah. We get into, like I say, all sorts of practical tips because I do think that obviously they have a very unique perspective, uh, not just as, as moms, but as moms who are also steeped in the science. And, you know, like you say, we, we deal with it every single day when, you know, you want to make sure that your kids are getting enough fats, right. Or if, if you're worried about protein, although that's hardly something that I think you and I worry about, um, (laughs) but, but certainly we, we get into all sorts of tips and tricks and address, uh, those, those stressful points. Um, I should also take a moment to to mention that this is a particularly fitting week for us to share this uh, podcast because we have just launched our Complement Core and Complement Essential uh, Liquid Vitamins. And I've been giving Mateo uh, essentially the Complement Core version, my son Mateo I should mention. Um, uh, for more than a year now. And that's always been my insurance policy to to really know that like, even if he doesn't have the greatest day of eating, you know, we're, we're at least checking those boxes around B12 and vitamin D, which, you know, I, I live in the mountains and it's snowing right now. So, you know, vitamin D, particularly around winter is always a concern. Then DHA and EPA, right? The long chain omega-3 fatty acids that You're just not going to find in fruits and vegetables or seeds, nuts, legumes, any of it. So, you know, that's why I'm so excited for these two new products, because now we've expanded that version so he can get the full set of nutrients, uh, including K2 and zinc and iodine. Some of these harder to find or harder to absorb nutrients. And it comes in like a giant squirt bottle. You've seen it, Doug, I think Mm -hmm. you even have it. Um, it just just launched, and uh, we've been squirting it on every salad all night just to give that that extra little uh, dose of, of nutrients. And like I say, it's kind of that insurance policy. But um, anyway, I digress. Had, to, let it, uh, had yeah. to get that out there for all parents who are listening. Uh, I'm sure you're on the No Meat Athlete email list, and you'll be hearing about it soon enough, as soon as it is available. Um, but of course, the other best way to inoculate yourself against the stresses and worries of being a plant-based parent is to educate yourself. And that's what I think the plant-based, uh, juniors team does so well is is making sure to educate yourself. So really excited for this, this podcast and hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah. I'll just, uh,
1: add one last thing about core and essential. Um, if you want to learn more, you can go to love compliment, that's compliment with an E so love and, um, and you'll see you'll see right there on the homepage uh, information for for core and and everything else that we're offering. So thanks for bringing that up, Matt. And um, with that, why don't we just jump right into the into the interview? Great.
0: Enjoy, everybody. Well, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for spending the time. Uh, I'm with Plant Based Juniors, but you're not the Juniors. You're the dietitians and you're, you're talking to people like me with parents. We are with Whitney and Alexandra of Plant Based Juniors. Thank you so much for spending part of your afternoon with us today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having uh, us.
0: Well, I would love to start just by getting to know you and introducing you to our audience. So um, I suppose uh, we can start at the top and go to the bottom, at least from my vantage point, um, Alexandra. When did you decide to go into dietetics? Tell tell us that story, and then and then we'll we'll also ask you, so if you want to blend it together, about your journey to plant based.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, I actually wanted to go into dietetics pretty much in high school. Um, I was really into cooking. My mom loves to cook, so that was always an interest of me. Uh, I actually worked in high school at like a a dance slash weight loss camp for adolescents. And there was a doctor there who was doing all of this really uh, sort of cutting edge technology when it came to kids who were having a hard time with with weight management, but also really into how they were eating and uh, their behaviors around that. And that just like lit a fire in me. I was so excited. And Uh, decided to go on and and study uh, nutrition and dietetics. And then uh, in that, I was, you know, never really a huge meat eater. Um, I sort of said I was vegetarian-ish since high school. And then uh, in college, I was dating this like super meathead bodybuilder guy who would like wake up at 3am, like eat tuna. I mean, just, you know, sort of the the stereotypical like protein meathead. Um, And we broke up uh, towards the end of my, my college. And it was sort of just this, like, I needed to like cleanse that relationship. And like the best thing I knew how to do was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to really get plant-based, you know, it was sort of just like, I always joke and say that like some people change their hair after a bad relationship. I changed my diet. Um, and of course I was learning about nutrition and, and all the benefits around eating more plant-based. And it just felt like this really natural uh, progression, and that was sort of actually the catalyst that that started that, and that was obviously well over a decade ago. So I hung in, um, but yeah, and then you know ever since then I've really dived into to more of the research, and then became a mother, and that was sort of the the other catalyst in making sure that okay I feel really good about my diet for myself, but. What about my my kids? And you know, is this is this the right diet for, for us as a family? And um, that's really what started Whitney and I's journey into creating plant based juniors.
0: And and Whitney, how what about you?
3: Yeah, so I'm actually a second
2: career dietitian. I got my start um, out here in Los Angeles as an entertainment reporter. So my undergraduate degree was in journalism. I had always had a big passion for nutrition and fitness and focused focused on it a lot in my personal time. I played a lot of sports growing up. My dad was a professional athlete. My grandpa owned athletic clubs. So I was always really immersed in the fitness world. I was not a big meat eater either, but I did eat six egg whites a day at one point (laughs) Uh, and tons of chicken breast. I totally bought into the uh, more protein, specifically more animal protein is better approach that just continued. Those ideas continued to be fueled when I worked in celebrity journalism by a lot of the misinformation in the media. And it was along that journey when I started to realize that a lot of the information perpetuated by Hollywood and the media was incorrect. That I decided I wanted to go back to school to be a dietitian. So that was about six years ago, um, and I, I, it was in my dietetics program that I actually learned about plant-based nutrition. I mean, I had heard of it, but I thought it was kind of fringe, a little wacky. Um, It wasn't it wasn't discouraged against in my program, but it wasn't also highlighted. And it wasn't until I took one course specifically with Dr. Walter Longo, um, who is a world-renowned researcher in longevity and health span, that I really dug into the research on plant-based diets and my eyes were just completely opened. It was like a veil had been lifted. I had never been exposed to the massive amounts of research supporting plant-based eating patterns and so succinctly like that. So it was actually in the span of like three weeks of starting this class that I was like, I'm going plant-based and I haven't looked back. And that was about five years ago now. And then I I eventually became a mother (laughs) about two and a half years ago. My son Caleb um, is about two and a half now. And Alex and I had met through the blogging and dietetics world and when we both started um, thinking about children's nutrition, that's when we both kind of had that revelation, well, I know it's good for me, but I'm not really sure if this is going to be safe uh, and optimal for my child. So we started talking, we were DMing each other late at night when we were up breastfeeding our babies, and uh, that's pretty much how Plant-Based Juniors was, was born. We said, if we have this many questions as dietitians, we know yeah. regular parents out there must as well.
0: Yeah, uh, it's definitely true. Um, the two things that I've uh, come to appreciate is um, moms can get a, a, an enormous amount done when nursing. You know, my <laughs> wife on her phone, like she's been nursing for literally three years straight because we have a, a two-year-old and a, and a five-month-old. So, um, but it's remarkable how much you guys can get done. Really, I, you know, I, I struggle when I have two hands in the computer, but somehow you guys do it. Um, we and, got all uh, those
2: extra hours being
0: up in say, the middle yeah. night <laughs> oh, gosh, I know it i'm uh, yeah i I think moms are just i mean that whole process of bringing a life into this world is just so mind blowing and makes me feel really bad about myself as a as a human because I just realize how inept the male body is compared to women it's it's like we we are really just definitely not the uh uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a weaker sex joke here, but I'm, I'm going to backpedal <laughs> before I offend somebody. Yeah.
2: Um, Thank you for your you support. support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but it's true that um, uh, it is such a uh, scary thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are going, uh, th- that is, deciding to raise your kids um, with a plant-based diet, which we can define, you know, as a vegan, you know, sure. there's, there's so much complication on that. So for our audience, you know, we can kind of say, um, you know, but, but when I'm referring to plant-based, I mean only plants. Um, and that's a really scary thing because I'm sure the same goes for you and and almost all other parents, right? Um, I take my kids' nutrition so much more seriously than my own, even. Because, you know, you're in charge, they're helpless, and going against the grain, you know, the the social, cultural mores that we all feel, that pressure, um, you know, it's, it's almost like, you can feed your kids McDonald's every day, and if they wind up obese and sick, it's like, you know, kind of not your fault. But like, if you decide to feed them only fruits and vegetables, like, you, you know, you're the strange one. And, and how do you deal with that? So, I, you know, I guess just to dive right in, um, what do you define as plant-based? Just so we're all on the same page, you know, is that a vegan diet without getting into all of that? Um, and then uh, in your guys' opinion, do you think a 100% plant-based diet is healthy for kids? Uh, knowing that that could be like an hour's conversation, but just curious as a starting point.
3: Yeah, I mean, so just to clarify too, at, at Plant Based Juniors, we, we really consider ourselves to be a very inclusive community. Uh, you know, we have parents who are vegans, we have parents who consider themselves predominantly plant based. So, you know, eating a, a mostly plant based diet, but also having a little bit of animal products. And then we actually have quite a bit of omnivore parents who just know that, hey, you know, the standard American diet for my child isn't the greatest. And I know that I want to to impact some healthy habits in early childhood and really sort of gravitate towards our message of more plants, the better. And that's really the standpoint that we come from is that you know the the average child is is not getting enough fruits, vegetables, plant foods is on a course that is likely going to include you know higher rates of obesity and type two diabetes and things that you know really can be prevented especially with an overall healthy diet that begins in childhood. So uh, we're we're very open and welcoming. Uh, we do focus a lot of our nutrition advocacy for vegan parents or strictly plant based parents just because we know that there tends to be a lot of questions out there and not a lot of evidence based research or places or people can feel comfortable to say, hey, I have this question around vitamin D or DHA or B12. And unfortunately, you know, the traditional medical community it doesn't know. And their pediatrician may not be well versed in that. And so we we really do try to advocate to say, you know, we're we're evidence based in that space, but we we really do welcome all parents. Um, That being said, too, you know, all of the the main major governing bodies say that an appropriate planned uh, vegan diet is likely, is, is safe for all stages of the life cycle. Uh, they state that it's not only adequate, but also potentially beneficial too. Um, and so we sort of say that same stance as well. Uh, there is some appropriately planned language in there, but we'd we'd also argue that's true for all kids. You know, again, we can't just feed them fast food and say, oh, well, there we go. through an omnivore diet. You know, we we'd want to appropriately plan, hopefully, all of our children's diets, uh, whether that is vegan or omnivore. So, yes, we're we're very pro to say that it is completely safe, but there are things that we we should consider, and uh, we'll probably dive into that in a little bit.
1: Okay, this is Doug and Matt jumping back in. Uh, to interrupt the interview to, to uh, thank our sponsors because they make
0: this possible. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by our very own new and improved Complement Protein. A few years ago, unable to find protein powder clean enough to match our healthy diets, we decided to make our own. The result was a super clean five ingredient formula made with real foods. And when I say five ingredients, the front of the bag actually shows the percentages of those ingredients and they match exactly what you see on the ingredient list on the back of the bag. Today, I'm happy to share that the formula just got an upgrade swapping out watermelon seeds with vitamin and mineral rich sunflower seeds. Our protein checks all of the boxes, no additives, fillers, sweeteners, or natural flavors, no hidden ingredients, no special proprietary blends. As I said, the front of the bag matches exactly what you'll find on the back. It is flavorless, so it's perfect for mixing, blending, or baking. I should note, Doug, that I have become a great muffin baker in the, the past few months, and I have been adding... Complement protein and it works as a great gluten-free flour substitute. It's a great binder it really makes it like almost like a scone because it's really like thick and, and uh, um, dense so really really excited about that mm-hmm. <laughs> So is my wife who's been enjoying those muffins awesome. uh, Ingredient ratios are printed right on the bag as I mentioned and it is of course third-party Tested for purity and potency. So get your first bag at lovecompliment.com. That's L-O-V-E-C-O-M-P-L-E-N-M-E-N-T compliment like uh, not not like a compliment with an I, but a compliment with an E. And use code no meat for ten percent off at checkout. That's lovecompliment.com, no meat at checkout for ten dollars off your first order. And
1: this episode is also brought to you by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Green Chef is the first USDA-certified organic meal kit company. Enjoy clean ingredients you can trust, seasonably sourced for peak freshness. Go to greenchef.com slash 90nomeat and use code 90nomeat to get $90 off, including free shipping. Matt, we've been uh, fortunate enough to get several Green Chef boxes now, and what I love about it is that... Um, they really kind of push me out of my comfort zone. I'm one of those guys who has, you know, like 10 meals that we kind of cycle through uh, week after week. And, um, and even if we follow a recipe, we're often kind of, you know, looking at the same type of pasta dishes or the same type of fajitas or something like that. And so when you get all the ingredients, when you get all this stuff and you're kind of totally taken out of, you know, selecting it yourself and out of that comfort zone, you end up with dishes that you wouldn't have otherwise tried and they're, they're really quite good. So here's how it works. When your food box arrives, all your pre-measured perfectly portioned ingredients are all prepped and ready to go. The recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions that take out all of the guesswork. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box, so you can feel great about what you're eating and how you got it to your table. With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week, that you'll love to cook. Green Chef's expert chefs designed flavorful recipes for your lifestyle and go they go way beyond the ordinary substitutions. Let Green Chef do all the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep work for you week after week. Go to greenchef.com 90 no meat and use code 90 no meat to get $90 off including free shipping. And with that, let's jump back to the to the interview.
0: Um, well, let's yeah, let's let's dive in. What is appropriately planned? And I know these are all unfair questions that deserve entire textbooks, but just for you know, ed- educate me as someone who you know thinks about this stuff daily. And and, uh, and look, my my son is just getting to the point where he's getting picky, you know. Mm-hmm. And and as I'm sure you guys have uh, have uh, experienced, um, you know, we're in there I, right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: We yeah, both have so, two-year-olds, yeah. so we know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I love those days where you hand him like a leaf of spinach and like the novelty of it was like so exciting, right? But now now he clearly knows what he wants and this oh, yeah. and that. So, so tell us what, what is appropriately planned and, and maybe just, you know, an easier way to look at that is what, what are the main considerations that you think about as you plan your children's meals on a daily basis?
2: So appropriately planned to us basically means what it would mean for any diet, making sure you're getting proper amounts of all the macro and micronutrients. Um, Those words can be a little bit confusing for the average parent. So Alex and I, uh, what we did was break it down in a very easy to digest form. We came up with this plate called the PB3 plate and it breaks foods down into categories. So you've got legumes, nuts, and seeds fruits and vegetables, and grains and starches. And then within those groups, you've got the specific micronutrients that we really want parents paying attention to. And we just advise parents to try to fill their plate with something from each of these categories at most meals. Um, A lot of the considerations that you would have on a plant-based diet are the same as you would have for an omnivorous diet. Like Alex said, appropriately planned applies to all diets. A good example of this is that iron is probably one of the most critical nutrients for, for young children, especially um, from the six to twelve month range when they're starting solids. And most kids are a lot of kids don't get enough. A lot of infants aren't getting enough. Iron deficiency is the most common micronutrient deficiency for both children and adults, no matter what your diet is. So, you hear these arguments that adults and, and babies starting solids need meat, and that's that's really not the case. They just need iron. So that's one of the micronutrients, first of all, that we, we really focus on, especially during that early range, but throughout all, all stages of, of children's growth. Um, we can break down each one, no, but, <laughs> if you want. Like you said, this could so be very what, long. But.
0: Well, so tell, tell me what is maybe, maybe uh, to give me a mind's eye and to give me some ideas. Um, what, what's uh, your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, for your little ones at this point? Or, or do they eat whatever's on your plate?
3: Well, what we, what I serve <laughs> and what my son eats is uh, vastly different some days. Uh, like we said, Whitney and I both have two-year-olds. My son's almost three. So we, we definitely understand picky eating and what we offer isn't always what they eat. But I would say typically uh, for both of our kids, for breakfast, there's usually some type of oatmeal. Uh, we sort of like this idea, it's a nice way to sneak in some healthy fats. Uh, we have a recipe on our website for, uh, an oatmeal that's got like peanut butter in it and hemp seeds and chia seeds, sort of a nice sort of healthy hearty way to, to get in some of those, those nutrients. And then for lunch, it really varies. I know for my son, I do a lot of leftovers, uh, for lunch. So we, I love like a legume based pasta, just because uh, my son isn't always down to eat lentils and beans, but he will always eat pasta. And the legume-based options are just a good source of iron and protein. So I make sure to give him that. Um, there's usually always some type of fruit, a vegetable. Uh, he'll, he'll eat a few of the ones on a regular basis. So I definitely try to include you know broccoli or cauliflower most days. And then dinner really rotates. You know, I, I say that he, he gets the same foods that we eat. But again, uh, you know, what he's actually eating from that is, is different. Uh, some days he just eats strawberries for dinner or eats, you know, kind of picks around and eats rice and blueberries and avocado. And um, other days he gobbles up, you know, that I make. So it really just, I think, depends on, on the day.
2: And we, we do advocate that parents try to get kids eating the same foods that the whole family is eating. And we do this, we, we suggest this from the start. So we're big proponents of what's called baby led weaning, which means basically instead of giving purees at six months, you're giving actual foods in an age and texture appropriate form. Um, and one of the benefits is that of that is that you're not making multiple meals for the whole family. With that said, whether they're going to eat everything that, that, that you're eating, um, that doesn't always happen. Um, and you're also probably not going to serve it the same way you would for an adult. So, you know, sometimes we have burrito night, but I would serve that to my son with, um, the tortilla ripped up on the side, the beans in one area, the, the roasted sweet potatoes in another kind of like a deconstructed plate.
3: Yeah. And I would say that there's such a benefit, I think in, in smoothies too. I know there's some days where, I'll look at my son's, you know, diet of breakfast and lunch and I'm like, all right, we're doing just a major smoothie here for snack and, and kind of packing some things in. So um, I think, you know, kind of as Whitney was saying too, there is definitely a benefit and we really advocate not being a short order cook. And that's true again, you know, whatever kind of diet you're coming to the table with, but really advocating that uh, you serve similar or the same foods that you're eating and kids, you know, at some point will understand this is what the family eats And there's also a lot of good research showing that that's actually the best way to decrease picky eating, even though the short term battle feels like, oh, I'll just make this because I know they like it. Um, But just sort of repeated exposure of what you're eating is actually the best way to get kids to, to sort of come to the table with those kind of foods
2: yeah if you're just looking at research on reinforcement if every time they don't like the meal and they ask for a peanut butter sandwich and then you get it for them you're just reinforcing that behavior and reinforcing the picky eating
0: well i uh i feel better about myself because of um your comments about legume based pasta we don't eat gluten my my wife has a uh uh, sensitivity to it or an allergy um and uh So we eat a lot of bonza pasta, my son loves that. So I I feel better now because it's definitely a a go-to for for, uh, when we're pressed on time. Um, You mentioned fats, uh, and if you Mm -hmm. ask some of those, um, let's call it uh, paleo thinking uh, folks, they tell you that our brains need fats, we need cholesterol. You know, if you look at my diet, if you look at certainly my son's (laughs) diet, um, you know, he loves cashews, you know, obviously, we sneak in nut butters into his oatmeal in the morning. Um, but w- talk to us about uh, fat, should we be concerned that our kids are not eating, you know, certainly, compared to those who are uh, consuming a standard American diet with cheeses and meats on and stuff. right? The, the order of magnitude in terms of fat cons- consumption is like, a whole different world. Is that something they could be concerned of and any hacks that you guys uh, put in place, if so?
2: Well, it's true that fat is very, very important for kids, especially the younger they are. So if we're talking about the six to 12 month range, babies' fat needs are like 30 to 40 percent of their diet. But keep in mind, they're still taking in formula or breast milk at this stage for about 50 percent of their diet, so they're getting a ton of fat that way. But it's, it's definitely a nutrient of importance. It's um, right in the center of our PB3 plate. But there's nothing to say that you need to be getting or that your children need to be getting saturated fat or cholesterol in their diet. We make both of these things. Um, that's why they're not considered essential fats. The essential fatty acids are found in plants. Um, so kids, vegan kids can absolutely meet their needs for fat on a plant-based diet. We recommend, like you said, stirring nut butter into oatmeal, adding it to smoothies. Um, Even with the really young ones, you can be putting a thin spread of of nut butter on on a piece of toast. There's so many ways to get in fat. We love seeds. We can put seeds in our oatmeal every morning. Again, smoothies. like i'm a broken record with these smoothies (laughs) um (laughs) another fun trick is to roll foods in seeds like hemp seeds and not only are you going to be getting some of these essential fatty acids but you'll also be getting some more protein there so that's a good trick for baby led weaning you can cut um foods like bananas or avocados into little finger like strips and roll them in hemp seeds that's a good way to get some some fat in uh chia pudding cooking with plant oils. So, anytime you're roasting vegetables, anytime you're doing some sort of stir-fry using some avocado oil, some olive oil, um, and then tons of avocados. <laughs> yeah.
3: And and this is really an area where, you know, I think it it's helpful to differentiate between perhaps an adult who might be more interested excuse me, <clears throat> in following a, a whole food, a low fat plant-based diet, we really don't advocate that for, for kids, especially for our younger toddlers who, who do need higher amounts of fat. You know, like Whitney was saying that 35, 40% of fat is going to be a much higher percentage than sort of an, an average adult who's following more of a, a whole food, low fat plant-based diet. So um, just really making that differentiation as well and encouraging parents to, to offer in healthy fats. But um, again, we don't need to saturate our cholesterol fats, but fat in general is is a good thing and shouldn't be villainized.
0: Um, thank you for for uh, clarifying that. And and uh, just one follow up question because you mentioned fatty acids, right? And for listeners of of uh, this show, um, they know that we're a big proponent of DHA and EPA. We obviously have. Our supplement company called Complement because we believe in complementing a, a plant-based diet. So um, those who are, have not been as familiar with DH and DPA, you know I keep repeating that one in particular. obviously there are some other critical nutrients. but what is your take on supplementation? When, when do you start that with kids who are you know uh, eating a, a predominantly or entirely plant-based diet?
3: Yeah, we recommend starting DHA supplementation in pregnancy, or even before you plan on getting pregnant. Um, DHA is what we consider to be a preformed fatty acid, which means that we know it, it's, we can, normal people can convert DHA to ALA. But in pregnancy, that conversion rate is very, very low. And we know that preformed DHA is really what crosses over into the fetus and then also in breast milk. So we really do recommend uh, supplementation in both pregnancy and in breastfeeding. Uh, We also like to sort of continue that supplementation into the early toddler years, especially. I think there's a lot of really good research that talks about the, the benefits of DHA, EPA, especially for cognitive benefits and for uh, retinal developments after that the research is sort of mixed uh, we don't think there's a downside to continuous supplementation um, but for parents who you know perhaps there's an expense or other sort of barrier you know it's it's sort of a, an okay thing in, in our minds if, if if you don't want to but especially those early years we just feel like there's there's way more of a benefit to to do that and we'd recommend doing it as long as um, you can in your budget.
2: Yeah, research really shows that DHA accumulation in the brain it ramps up in the third trimester and it continues through the first two years of life. So that's that's the time when we think there's the strongest evidence for benefit. Um, I'm sure your audience is already very educated on this, but in case they aren't, we'll we can cover it really briefly. But DHA and EPA are considered the marine um, essential fatty acids that like Alex said, our body can make small amounts of um, from the plant-based omega-3 fatty acid ALA, but probably not enough for these critical early stages. Of of life, so some you'll see in some vegan uh, communities that people are saying, "Oh, you can just eat omega three mm-hmm. fatty acids, um, ALA based omega three fatty acids through your diet with, you know, walnuts, flax, hemp, chia," and uh, that really probably isn't the case. We could use obviously use more research on it, um, but from the research that we do have, it doesn't appear that. Even if we did convert enough of it that it would actually be transferred, you need that preformed DHA. But as your audience also knows, you don't have to eat fish to get the DHA. We can get that through algae oil, which is actually um, the OG DHA maker. <laughs> and fish get their DHA from eating the microalgae, so it's really just cutting out the middleman. Um, and there's oh. Oh, sorry i'll come back to this because it's sort of switching gears so you go ahead
3: (laughs) i was just gonna say and you know studies do show that that vegan moms tend to have lower levels of dha compared to omnivore uh, women which is just another reason we we really recommend not not relying on ala rich sources during this time and and really recommend a supplement
0: right
2: and just to circle back in the beginning of the conversation you had asked what an appropriately planned diet is, and I had mentioned macros and micros, and I think the, the third part of that picture is supplementation. Mm-hmm. It's Really, no strictly plant-based diet is going to be complete without proper supplementation, especially for kids, because there are just certain nutrients that that you're not going to be able to get. Some of them are due to um, the modern uh our, our modern world and I think we talked about this off camera things like the fact that our soils depleted of iodine um, but a, a couple of them in the case of of DHA and B12 is they're simply not present in in plant foods in in reliable amounts so we we absolutely have to supplement those for ourselves as adults but definitely for our children
0: Well they, thank you for saying that you know I think so often because obviously we 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 do manufacture um, a supplement which includes all those things: iodine, DHA, B12. Um, and I think so often our message may seem like we're trying to, you know, convince people that they need something that they don't. And and in doing so, it's like we're undermining, you know, the the vegan message. and, and it's mm-hmm. like, on the contrary, I think it's so important that we all acknowledge the science as you said, and I love that you uh, brought up, you know, any diet has to be appropriately planned, we all fill into these uh, kind of patterns in terms of what we like, what we don't like what we find easy to cook, what are, you know, and as a result, we could have these gaping areas of not getting adequate macro, well, unlikely macro, but micro Mm -hmm. nutrients for sure. And so, you know, just being thoughtful about it and acknowledging that, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if you want to do a, a keto, a paleo, a vegan keto, a vegan, a mostly plant-based, you know, it's like, just acknowledge that whatever it is that you're going to eat probably is high in certain things, lower in other things. And just, you know, be thoughtful about that. And, uh, and particularly with kids, as you say. Um, awesome. Thank you
3: yeah especially with kids i don't know why supplementation gets such a bad rap or is a four letter word especially in the in the vegan community i mean you know we we have to have b12 probably dha for you know most populations and even other things vitamin d etc so i don't i don't think that that supplementation should be seen as anything that is a negative Or, you know, an unnatural part of the diet. I just think that it's something that is really important, especially in kids. And we're, we're very pro supplementation and and really try to educate our parents that if you want to do this diet successfully, then there's going to have to be a supplementation option.
2: Well, it's kind awesome. of funny. A, a big uh, criticism you often hear about a plant-based diet is that it's not natural because you need supplements. But if you really look at the way we eat mm-hmm. in modern times, nothing's not natural. Like, what what is natural? Two billion years ago or two million years ago? That's what was natural. Like, we don't have the same things. There are many other circumstances to consider in our in our current day and age that make. Supplementation and other aspects of our diet, maybe not necessarily the way we were, uh, we evolved, but completely necessary in order to to meet our needs.
3: Well, and realizing too that, you know, even an omnivore diet is likely supplemented even if you don't think you're taking supplements. So for example, cow's milk is one of the richest sources of iodine in a kid's diet, but that is not because cow's milk naturally contains high amounts of iodine. It's because of the way that we clean and sterilize uh, milk equipment and the udders. And therefore the iodine solution gets into the milk. Um, Same thing with vitamin D and vitamin A. You know, these are all added to cow's milk. So, if a child is drinking cow's milk a few times a day, yes, they're going to get in enough vitamin D and iodine, but it's it's not from a naturally occurring source. So, right. you know, supplementation is, is all, all over the place. And, you know, we don't think it should be anything that's viewed upon as negative to take a pill. Well, and another
2: example is that all exclusively or partially breastfed babies are are encouraged by the mm-hmm. American Academy of Pediatrics to be supplemented from birth with vitamin D. And that doesn't matter what your diet is. And that's right. because vitamin D is naturally very low in breast milk. So historically throughout the millions of years people were running around without clothes on out in the sun and so that's where they got their vitamin d but we don't do that anymore so all babies omnivores or vegans need to be supplemented with vitamin d starting at birth
0: yeah well it's refreshing to hear that perspective because like you say i mean our you know ripple our our nut milks are all supplements and it's like it's cool if it's in that form but you put it in a separate capsule like that's weird know. <laughs> you know,
2: it's like
0: uh, and look don't get me wrong there are synthetic vitamins that i personally you know i mean we literally have to go to the ends of the world to get um you know i think it's nk7 which is a version of k2 right there's mm-hmm. three types of k2 some are fermented from beans you know others are totally synthetic form like we like I've said, you know, we created a product that I'm proud to give to my pregnant wife through two pregnancies at least and, and, uh, my toddler, which are, you know, kind of the highest threshold you can imagine. And, uh, uh and so, you know, there are weird supplements out there. You have to be very careful with the source, but <laughs> yes. certainly on the other hand, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys, uh, offering that candor because I, I don't know why it's so controversial but somehow it is right it is. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to equally controversial ideas um what, what is from a, a, a dietetic uh perspective and then the other is just out of curiosity um but processed meat um so i shouldn't say that uh processed faux meat or so uh, meat. plant-based meat right um
3: Definitely don't me. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say I don't
0: think anyone should. I mean, but when when the World Health Organization is actually categorizing something as a carcinogen, like I don't, it's it's remarkable to me that it's even on a shelf. Like, yeah. in any event, the first yeah. and
2: the last information I need about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, plant-based processed meat. I don't know. I, I I gotta look up the definition or the, the terminology, but. Beyond meat, right? Tofurky, I mean, these are uh, certainly uh, uh, things that I enjoy from time to time, not mm-hmm. a staple of my diet. How do you guys feel about uh, uh, yeah, manufactured plant-based meats um, for yourselves and also for for kids?
3: I think in a sort of big picture, I'm a huge fan of them in the sense that I think as a dietitian, we have a responsibility when we're talking about food to not only consider the nutrition, but also the environmental impact. And so when I see products like this, where you know my my meat and potato in-laws are excited about grabbing an impossible burger or will definitely eat, you know, beyond product, but maybe won't touch my my lentils or my tofu, I think that's a huge win. And so I think overall I'm a, I'm a huge, uh, you know, proponent of these products, and they're going to hopefully do a lot of good, not only nutrition-wise, but. Uh, really environmentally and animal welfare based. Um, I, I think that we're, I'm sort of the same way as you. You know, I eat them occasionally. They're nothing that I I try to make the cornerstone of my diet. I my son is actually not really interested in eating those foods. I've offered them, you know, a few times. He just doesn't doesn't gravitate towards them. But I would do it in a way where it's like, hey, yeah, we're not going to eat this often. But if we want to go out somewhere and there's a Beyond Burger, great. You know, we can we can enjoy it. But um, you know, I think sort of in that, that moderation window, whatever that means, uh, those products are, are totally okay. And especially if they're helping, you know, older kids to sort of transition more to a plant-based diet or eating more plants, I think that's a, that's a good tool for that as well.
2: Yeah, and same. Yeah. I, I, we consider it a fun food. You know, I I think like Alex and I said earlier, we're trying to get more plants on the plate mm-hmm. and bring more people to plant based eating, um, not just for for health and animal welfare, but but for the environment. And and if this can get anybody eating a few less burgers a week like that's awesome um so for a while the jury was kind of out on whether these are actually healthy or not but there was a recent study and i can't remember the exact details but they gave people um regular meat or beyond burgers um for i think it was a few weeks or something and their cardiometabolic uh, profile improved eating the the plant-based burgers so um Don't quote me on the exact details of that study, but there is some promising research showing that they actually may be healthier and not just healthier for the environment. Um, The caveat to that, uh, I probably, I, I wouldn't recommend these processed plant-based meats for kids under one, because they can be really high in sodium. And sodium and sugar are, are two things in the diet that we definitely want to limit before one, even before two. So I started giving my son um, some, some of the uh, like fake sausages, maybe like once a week in his late right before he turned two. And and again, now we probably have it like once a week or so. Um, But it's not something that I offer on a regular basis, just because obviously it's not going to be as nutrient dense as, as something made from, from whole soy or, or legumes or something like that. But it can definitely be a part of a healthy
3: yeah. And, and I think adding on to that too, you know, especially when we look into to older kids who perhaps want to uh, feel like they're eating a similar diet to their peers. I think these products are a really great way to feel like you're not missing out. You know, I mean, if when I, when we resume going to birthday parties, I will probably bring, you know, a vegan hot dog with me or maybe some vegan chicken nuggets or something where if that's what's being served to the other kids at the party, I don't want my son to feel like he's missing out. And so if I can bring that with us and make him feel like he's still eating the same quote unquote, foods as his peers. That's a really great way. I think so kids also don't feel left out because at some point, uh, our kids are going to see that their diet maybe isn't the same as others. And those kind of foods can really help them feel like they are, they are still part of what their, their peers are eating and and what they're enjoying.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm hesitant to even ask this question, but, but I I will do it anyway. Um, (laughs) What about the actual manufactured meat, cellular-based agriculture? Do you guys have a, an opinion on that? I mean, it, it is technically meat, but it's not, you know, in some ways an animal. We, we group that into meat, right? Right. Okay.
2: I think it's far not too soon to say what, <laughs> yeah. what the health impact of that kind of meat would be. You know, it's not even publicly available, so I— but likely, I mean, if it's this exact same composition of a steak, I, I, I would guess that it might have some of the same effects health wise.
3: Yeah. And, and I kind of look at those products too, from a, a a very pro standpoint of the sense that, you know, we, we know that, that meat has such detrimental effects to the environment and, you know, animal welfare. And so if we can, you know, consider sort of the, the cellular based products, that to me is a huge win for those two areas. Uh, like Whitney said, health-wise, I don't, I don't know how they're going to be that different, but I also don't think that, um, you know, those, those products are really meant for, for current plant-based eaters or or vegans anyways. You know, I sort of look at those are the, the products that are going to hopefully inspire people who perhaps have zero interest in eating, uh, an impossible burger or a beyond burger or anything that is quote unquote plant-based. Um, but still know that they, they want to contribute to, you know, the, the environment in a better way or to, you know, overall how just we, we process animals. So I I think there's a, a huge benefit. I'm really excited about those products, but I don't think it's anything I'm going to be bringing into to my home at this point.
0: Right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, I have one other question which we have to ask, uh, but, but quickly, um, Whitney, you mentioned uh, salt and sugar, sodium mm-hmm. and sugar before two. Aside from the fact that we should all probably limit sodium and sugar throughout our life, is there something in particular before two that they have to pay attention to?
2: Yeah, so we'll consider them separately. Um, salt, one to two, you can start having salt in the diet. You just do want to limit it. Um, before one, it's really advised to have as little salt as possible. Um, and that's really because babies' kidneys aren't fully developed. And so it's just hard for them to process it. Uh, so it's, 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 it's not good for their kidneys. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to sugar, uh, those early years are when we're really trying to train children's taste buds um, to appreciate the taste of whole foods. We've got so many things up against us already in um, trying to build adventurous eaters and avoid picky eating, that when you're introducing a lot of sugar into the diet, that can unnaturally program the taste the taste buds to prefer uh, sweeter food, and and what we know from um, research is that we're already born preferring sweet food. That's why breast milk is a little bit sweet. Um, this was uh, an evolutionary mechanism in order for people to be able to find um, nutrient-rich foods in the wild and avoid bitter-tasting foods that might be poisonous. So um, we're already preferring sugar. If we start loading the diet with um, added sugar, that could really skew things in the direction of an, an, a natural um, or increased desire for sugar. All of that said, um, sugar's everywhere. It's in every single packaged food that, that you buy. Um, and it's in a lot of the foods that we make at home. You know, we're not We're not anti-sugar people at all. We cook baked goods all the time. Um, So it's just really about striking that delicate balance between teaching kids that you can have things like added sugar in the diet in, in, in moderation and um, not restricting it. But before age two, that, that kind of shouldn't come into play just yet. And it, and it really doesn't need to because children that young haven't really been exposed to it unless you were consciously um, giving them sweets or treats. They, they don't always, get it you know they don't see dessert adults eating something and are like oh what's you're you're having a cookie and i can't have that that same food it just doesn't register yet um as they get older though and they and they go to daycare and they they start learning more about the world it's very obvious that um certain foods are made of different things. And if you try to continue to restrict added sugar at that point, that's when we actually see that that kind of behavior can backfire on you and children will want the food even more. And Alex can speak to this a lot because her son's a little bit older than mine, Um, but we're we're big advocates for not restricting your children from added sugar in the long run.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I uh, do my best to protect my my son's palate, but I'm uh, definitely the weird one at the birthday party and I've kind of given up now that we're approaching two, but thank you for that. Um, one last question, because I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, I, actually, I, I know the answer, everyone listening knows the answer, but I can't have you guys on the, the uh, podcast uh, without asking it. Um, kids are getting enough protein from plants, right?
3: Yes, they are getting enough protein from plants. I think that, um, you know, especially for kids they're and I get it, you know, I, I remember being a, an, a parent and, and, you know, going through all the research and being like, I think this is right, but it is right. Right. And, you know, I, I know that, that hesitation when it comes to, to feeding your kids and wanting to make sure you're doing everything correctly. Um, but yes, I mean, even, even the average plant-based kid can get all the protein they need by drinking about two cups of soy milk per day. And that's not including any other foods. So, um, you know, there are definitely things we want to make sure they're getting enough of like iron and taking a B12 supplement and calcium. But, uh, when it comes to protein, I, we're not, we're not worried about that. They are getting enough. They are.
0: Thank you. Uh, always good to have one more person on record floating out there in the interwebs, you know, reminding everybody that protein is not the thing to, to worry about. Um, Whitney, Alexandra, thank you so much for spending so much of your afternoon with us. Uh, is there another message, something? Well, we'll obviously uh, um, uh, point everybody to the Plant-Based Juniors website to learn more and to subscribe, but is there a parting word of wisdom or a call to action that, that you'd like to end on?
2: I guess um, I think since we didn't talk too much about picky eating and that tends to be one of the, the biggest challenges for all parents is like, hang in there. You're not alone. Most kids are picky eaters and the vast, vast majority grow out of it. So, you know, it's your job as a parent to provide the nutritious foods, put them on the plate, but it's your job, your child's job to eat it. So try not to stress too much. We're yeah, and I think we can. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think I'll, I'll also add to that, you know, we get quite a few messages and, and DMs on parents who are really stressed about, you know, all these sort of nuances when it comes to the diet. And I think that our our general message is we we know pretty well that, you know, the foundations of a healthy diet are things like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and nuts and seeds. And if, you know, we can eat more of those foods. The better and you know what what sort of is filling the rest of the plate doesn't really matter as much you know there's there doesn't have to be this absolute when it comes to things that you know our kids are going to want like added you know sugars and desserts etc you know i think that if we can focus on what do we feel like is the healthy foundation most of the time and try to offer those in, in different ways and to offer them without pressure and knowing that's our job as parents and kids job is to eat i think it really takes away a lot of the the pressure and sort of the the guilt that sometimes parents can feel around feeding their kids healthy food. You know, it's okay if your kid likes cupcakes. It's okay if they ask you for you know these different kinds of, of treats, and they're given in a really responsible and sort of you know healthy way to demonstrate that like these foods are also allowed in the diet, and we don't have to be so so militant and so focused, or feel like you know we're we're not doing our kids are we're we doing our kids harm by by offering those foods because that's just not the case. You know, what, what happens long-term is really what's most important when it comes to nutrition and not focusing so much on sort of these these little isolated events.
0: Awesome. A moderate message to, you know, really polarize time. So that's uh, much needed. Um, again, Alexandra, Whitney, really appreciate the time today. Um, Plantbasedjuniors.com is the best place to to find you guys any other social media platforms anything that uh other best ways to find you yeah you can find
2: us on our instagram channel which is plant-based juniors as well we've got a book coming out in early spring about plant-based kids so look for that um and then yeah our website and we've got a ton of free resources on there like we mentioned the pb3 plate which you can print out and hang on your refrigerator like alex and i do because even we need reminding (laughs) Um, guide Supplement on guide, milk myths.
3: Yeah, we got, We've got lots of things. If, if there's a question on raising plant-based kids, we likely have addressed it in one of our resources or one of our free handouts. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks for doing this really important work. It's a scary time for any parents, any person. Um, so really important that you guys are spread this message. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having Thank you. us.